0: Here on AI and in Industry, we talk a lot about the software and capabilities of AI. Uh, We don't go so much into the code because this is a business audience, but we do talk about the tangible ROI of recommendation engines, fraud detection, and all kinds of other AI applications. We rarely talk about the hardware side of the equation, and that's going to be our focus today. Many people are aware of companies like NVIDIA, whose stock prices have soared uh, thanks to the popularity of new kinds of AI hardware that are being needed not only in academia, but in the big tech giants. And increasingly, AI hardware means more than just GPUs. Today, we interview Mike Henry of Mythic AI, uh, and Mike speaks with us about the different kinds of AI-specific hardware. Where are they used and how do they differ for what kinds of functions? And more importantly, Mike talks with us about the business value of AI hardware. In other words, where can specific hardware save on costs? that is, save on energy, save on time, on resources that might be involved in some kind of an AI application, but where can it also drive value? Where is AI hardware necessary to open up new kinds of capabilities for AI systems that maybe would not have been possible uh, with older hardware and what's the right way for business leaders to think about that I think Mike does a pretty good job of summing up those points we did have a little bit of an internet connectivity problem when I was catching up with Mike Uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on on his end so we did a bit of editing here and I think we made it come through as clear as we can so apologies for any brief blips but I think the the brunt of the points are certainly loud and clear through Mike's interview and I should note that this interview was brought to us by Kisako Research who's partnered with us to help to promote their AI Hardware Summit which is going to be taking place on September 18th and 19th at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View California. Uh, I essentially when we work with events we ask them okay uh, we can get your event out there who's going to be a great speaker that we can interview and they were the ones that were kind enough to put us in touch with Mike so there's going to be a link to the AI Hardware Summit on the actual article, so if you go to techemergence.com and you check out Mike Henry or you type Mike Henry into the search bar, whatever the case may be, uh, you'll see the link to the AI Hardware Summit uh, that's coming up in September as well for anybody interested in that. Uh, But without further ado, we're going to dive into the business ROI of AI-specific hardware. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI in Industry, and let's get started with Mike Henry of Mythic AI. So, Mike, uh, where I wanted to start us off, I know we're going to be talking about the financial ROI of AI hardware, but to, to get us going down that road, I think it's going to be useful to sort of lay out the possibility space of AI hardware in general. How do we define that and what kinds of AI hardware are out there for the business folks to understand?
1: Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think understanding the different types of AI hardware that is already in the market and, the, you know, and emerging is you know, the first vital step in understanding the ROI. And it, it's really, it's easy to split AI uh, computation into two buckets. And they have radically different computational workloads. So the first bucket is the training of an AI algorithm. In other words, force feeding it data and getting it to learn the general patterns behind the data. And this is a very computationally intensive workload, which is why you see it running on GPUs right now. It almost always exists in the data center. You know, it's really just taking gigabytes of data and just continually cycling it through these algorithms in order to get them to learn. And, in, and when I say it requires different hardware, it's because it needs high-precision hardware, uh, like high, you know, high bit-width floating point technical terms. It's what GPUs offers uh, in a large capacity that CPUs can't offer. And the other side of the AI hardware landscape is inference or deployment. So once you've already trained an AI algorithm, how do you get it out in the world? And you can even actually split that up again uh, when you're talking about deploying AI algorithms. Uh, you might be in a data center, so when you use uh, Siri or Alexa, it goes into a data center, and that's where they run the AI algorithm. Or it could be at the edge, in other words, like inside a car or a drone or a cell phone. But you know, the, the workload is different because the math can be much lower precision, uh, much like how your brain is low precision, it works. But also, the scope of the deployment is much wider. You might you might be deploying this to millions or billions of people. So the economics are different with inference. But I really do like to split the markets into training with, or inference, which is teaching or deploying. And then in, within inference, I also like to split it between server and uh, edge or you know, inside of things like
0: bars and phones. Cool. So maybe, Mike, if you don't mind, I'd like to get a just a brief whiff of an example on each of those. So you mentioned our first case here is going to be you know, it's, it's commonly GPUs, commonly in the data center. We're force-feeding algorithms a tremendous volume of information. You know, my thought is maybe what we're talking about here is a recommendation engine for a gigantic e-commerce system, constantly drinking in patterns of clicks and add-to-carts and purchases and response to email offerings and, and things along those lines. And that maybe that would be sort of what you meant by that first example there. But maybe you could walk us through kind of an example of each just so people could see in their head, what kind of hardware would go where?
1: Yeah, and, and, that, and that example you gave is actually somewhat complicated. Typically, the types of workloads we're seeing in AI are, are a subset of that engine. That engine might be a much more complex system, uh, which also plays into hardware selections. Uh, at, at its core, you could, you could come up with a very simple example and just say, like, I want to teach something to help a different you know, picture of a cat or a dog. And the way you would train it is you would collect 100,000 or 10,000 images of a cat and you know, 10 to 100,000 images of a dog, and then in the data center you force feed those images into the training algorithm uh, hundreds or thousands of times over and over and over again, and eventually it just learns to spot the general difference between the two. Uh, and there's a lot of rigor that goes into getting that actually to be generalized and not just learning the exact image you sent it. Yep. Um, but that's that force feeding training process, which requires tons of GPU compute. And then the inference side would be. Like, okay, now I want to sell an app that, you know, I take a picture and it tells me if it's a cat or a dog in the picture. So now, you, you know, that, let's say that app is going out to, um, you know, to 100 million users and they're each taking 10 pictures a day. So you can see now the workloads have shifted, right? Now you have, you know, now billions of images are streaming into your data center, but the algorithm's already been trained, so it's already ready to go, but you're now getting billions of images of day fired into your data center. That would be a data center inference deployment or if you want to write it so that it runs on your phone so you don't have to send it to a data center now everyone you know, they take a picture That's an edge deployment of your
0: got it okay and and so in terms of the edge deployment uh, you know people often associate AI hardware with GPUs right people know Nvidia's stock is exploding they they presume that that's sort of synonymous with AI hardware is this term of GPU but Maybe the at the edge deployment cases or some of these other inference examples are not GPUs. is is that safe to say, and what are the other sort of technical types of hardware if we can name them uh, that might be deployed in those other spaces other than uh the that initial training phase force feeding phase and
1: then that, that yeah, and that raises a great point about the r o i of AI because um you know if you can run an algorithm in the data center with our you know packbook doc, you know if we're deploying it, you can actually amortize that hardware over. Your millions of users, and so the hardware costs can be kept under control because they just get amortized. Um, but when you're running it in the edge, now every user has to pay that hardware cost, right? So in this case, if you said, "Hey, in order to run this algorithm, I need to scrap a GPU to my cell phone," um, that's a non-starter, right? So, so the edge is more, way more cognizant of power and cost of the hardware because you can't amortize, making every single user pay for it. So yeah, you, you know, you can't spend a thousand dollars on a GPU. So right now, the state of the industry is trying to run them on the processors inside of the phone. They're relatively underpowered, so the results are not, you know, there's a lot of improvement there that needs to happen to get it to It's typically very simple things that you can run on a phone. And you're not seeing a whole lot of ROI for that because simple things, there's not a lot of simple things you can do on a phone that actually generate a lot of meaningful use for the user. But, you know, there's recent trends in hardware, especially on is going to be able to lower the cost of the CPU compute by a factor of 100 and lower the power by a factor of 100. Like, the level of compute you get out of a CPU um, these days will be available on a phone in the future, and that's the kind of hardware that our company is building. Um, I mean, that's going to have profound impact on what you can run on phones, and it's going to be real meaningful experiences for users. So people who think about deploying things inside of platforms like cell phones you know, definitely should pay attention to hardware trends. Um, you know, you, you also see it happening in other areas at the edge, like autonomous vehicles or autonomous drones, where like right now in an autonomous vehicle, you know, they have to fill the trunk up with $20,000 in GPUs, and that's not scalable in a production. So, uh, you know, if you, you get the cost down to something like 100 to to $1,000, you can get a lot more autonomous agents out there doing things like self-driving cars or delivery drones or last-mile delivery robotics. Um, so at the edge, you're going to see a, a, a profound uh, transformation in what's possible as the hardware gets cheaper and lower power. And again, that all comes down to the fact that you can have, can't amortize that hardware across a lot of users. So we're really limited right now in what we can do. But if people can get the cost and the power of the hardware down for inference at the edge, it's going to have a, a, a profound transformation on the side.
0: Got it. So maybe we'll put some color on that. You know, you're mentioning autonomous vehicles as an example. Uh, you're mentioning drones. I think some folks should be familiar here with many of the use cases that we've covered in those spaces and in previous episodes and on techemergence.com. Maybe if we look first at the financial impact of AI-specific hardware, we can talk about sort of the the efficiency and the cost savings side of things. I know that that's part of the argument, not all of it, in terms of the financial justification of kind of upgrading hardware or revamping hardware. Um, what are some of the examples where that's really most clear, you know, assuming that the folks tuned in are not hardware experts, you know, what are these circumstances where a switch to AI specific hardware is really going to mean less cost, less time, less energy, uh, in a meaningful kind of business case?
1: Sure. So, um, I, I think the easiest thing to do is just pick a, pick a customer and walk through some ways that that would transform the business. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and, uh, This is going to be more of a server application, but, you know, when it comes to inference deployment, you know, servers are important too. So let's use Twitch as an example. You know, you have uh, four to five million users every day. You have 100,000 channels of video games going on at once. So, you know, it's a case where you have massive amounts of data flowing through, lots of money, lots of monetization, lots of viewers. Great example to work through. Um, And, you know, I, I can start, you know, kind of working up the pyramid of what's important. Somebody yeah. like Twitch. Let's do it. And you know, uh, How AI can can impact that? You know, I I'd say the bottom of the period is, pyramid is just the uh, quality of experience. You know, it, it's less important to a bottom line, but it's important when you're building a platform. So you know, what AI can do is things like translation. You know, make a if somebody's talking, make that available in fifty languages. Uh, captioning if you don't want the audio on. Uh, automatic effects like green screening, um, automatic editing. Automatically building highlight reels of interesting moments in a game—you um, know these are all quality of experience things that really expand the platform. And but as an example, if you take you know those hundred thousand Twitch channels and you ran um, you ran through like speech to text or translation on AWS right now, it would be like a billion dollars a year in AWS, right? So, so that, that gives you a sense of like where the hardware is not quite ready, way too expensive. If you go up the pyramid now with Twitch to the next level, where now you're Saving them money, you know. So you're you're now affecting a cost center. AI is going to do things as mundane as like yielding better compression. You know, now you can get the same video quality at a lower bit rate. That's going to get substantially better over the next five to 10 years. That's going to save people, you know, fifty to seventy-five percent on their bandwidth bill potentially. And then you have things like content moderation. You know, avoiding really nasty incidents because you can automatically detect nasty content you know, extremist content, anything like that, that, you know, they really want off their platform that might create major exposure for them. Uh, yeah. you know, AI is going to enable that same deal though. You're talking a hundred thousand channels at once, like right now it'd be billions of dollars to do that on the US uh, per year, the top of the pyramid, like what, what's most important to somebody like Twitch though, is monetization, you know, so not, not a cost center, not quality of experience, but actually my, mo- you know, revenue center, what's generating their bottom line. Yep. Yeah. And that's where things like recommendation and, and ad serving, and, uh, personalization really matter. And, you know, you can think in Twitch, you can think of examples like now maybe I can analyze a gameplay and you know, automatically measure the skill of the player, the style of the player, how quality is their narration, what do they talk about? I mean, you can think of all these different components you can pull out of the video and build a really powerful recommendation system. You know, you can feed that into like a monetization thing or maybe channels that want to you know, get more popular. Put some money into the recommendation system and say, "Hey, find me more players to watch my channel." And if it's a good recommendation, you know, they're going to pay that money, right? So, you know, that's like the top of the pyramid, and that's the hardest thing to do. But, that's, but you can see here. I mean, in this example we're talking about say, twenty-five to thirty algorithms running currently on potentially hundreds of thousands of channels of video—with monumental compute
0: Yeah, and and so I guess I'm going to try to nutshell this and then see if we can go a little bit deeper with you, because I think this is a useful example. We're looking at one company. And it sounds like what you're covering here, Mike, is looking at sort of anywhere where AI might be used to leverage the the huge reams of data that that Twitch produces. So um, content moderation, you know, there's one uh, optimizing sort of video streaming and things. There's another one. So anywhere where sort of AI might play a role, translation obviously is pretty robust. There's some of these things that, you know, maybe if, if if we're running on more efficient hardware, we're going to save ourselves some cost by running it on more, more efficient hardware. But then there's other areas where if we can enable new AI functionality, we're actually going to be able to potentially drive revenue. So where better hardware might not just save us money, but might open up the possibility of uh, sort of new capabilities for the business itself. You mentioned recommendations. You mentioned advertising impressions. And things along those lines is that maybe a good way to think about things when when business leaders are looking at their own business and they're saying, you know, what's the validation for a hardware upgrade here? What 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 really makes sense to to jump in with hardware? Sure, we're looking at where AI can play a role, but we're kind of breaking it down, I guess, into the the areas where you just want to use less energy or less time or or um, or whatnot to the areas where. You can really be adding value. Maybe you break things up in a different way. I just want to see if there's a useful frame for the listeners.
1: Yeah, I think I think you you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the framework I used is like what's most important, to least important, and most important is revenue. Next up is cost savings, and then the last is quality or you know the the experience, right? Um, and uh, but I you know I think AI is going to have a, a profound impact on all of those things. I, I think the toughest one is the revenue side. Uh, most revenue is generated by you know, either advertisement or paid subscription. And most people stay on a platform. They continually find content that keeps them on the platform. Yep. So learning the context of, for a specific user, what interests them, um, what gets them to stick around, uh, that is a very, very powerful tool, but it's also very difficult. And that's like that's like one of the major frontiers of AI is, is recommendation, personalization, into like that or search, and and what 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 you know cheaper inference is going to do is it's going to open up a much wider volume of data available to make those decisions, but it's going to be able to basically you know shrink those down into visual feature vectors, if you will, that get fed into a recommendation system. So imagine taking five hours of gameplay footage, Twitch, and turning that into a small number of uh, features that get fed into a really powerful recommendation system. That's where the cost of the AI is critical. Running those, running that, uh, you know, gigabytes, terabytes, or petabytes of data, shrinking that down into a small little nugget that can feed into a recommendation. That's where the cost and ROI really become clear. And, I, and by the way, I also want to just make sure I. not a customer.
0: Yeah, we're just using them as a as a hypothetical example here. No, perfectly fine. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to have a representative example, regardless, and I think people can kind of uh, glean what you're. Explaining by going into that. And it also seems like, you know, to, to your point here, recommendation engines in terms of optimizing revenue and customer lifetime value and stick rate or, or kind of return visitorship, these are arguably not just more valuable business problems, but more complicated business problems than making sure that people don't say obscene things in the comments. Um, now, Certainly, that's an ongoing problem. There's going to be new emojis, there's going to be new terms that become popular to insult people, there's going to be new terms in different languages, there's going to be gifts of insulting things that we have to understand the context of. But at the end of the day, it's arguably never going to be, you know, quite as complex as all the factors and features that lead to somebody staying for 5 years on Twitch and paying for seven subscriptions at once. So, maybe you know, for a little bit more more color on this as as we close up mike is is there a way to maybe explain sort of what the consequences could be of using you know the wrong hardware sort of in terms of of sort of what what could sort of be the detriments here my my supposition is maybe with the wrong kind of hardware in order to do translation at scale or even content moderation at scale or even recommendation at scale we'd need to be burning way more compute resources and spending more than maybe we should and more efficient hardware would help us spend less maybe we would be able to do a less robust recommending with the same resources because we're not able to sort of, you know, crunch the numbers so to speak at the same scale with with the resources that were allocated. What what are kinds of the the things to hedge against for the companies that are that are thinking about potentially upgrading their hardware? What are sort of the the reasons people should should in the right circumstances get nervous about sticking with kind of a hardware that's maybe not ideally optimized for the the AI applications they're looking to use? What are kind of consequences here?
1: No, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, the the one way to look at it is, uh, am I going to spend a lot of money to build out infrastructure to deliver something that's purely user experience? That's really hard to measure the ROI. You know, if I'm building a recommendation system, it's easy to do some rigor behind the design of the algorithm, figure out what the ROI is ahead of time, and kind of scale, build out. If I'm doing uh, just, features that, like like I said, like um, translation, right? How do you, how do you measure the ROI of that? It, it's very difficult, and so you might spend a lot of money on on hardware that um, just doesn't really move the needle for the customer experience. Um, I mean, a, a good way to you know look at that from a cell phone perspective is um, let's say Apple spent ten dollars on on you know the chips for Face ID in a phone. I mean, does that really give them an ROI? It's really hard to say. Um, if, they, if they removed Face ID and put in Touch ID, like would that have moved the needle? I, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying that's a much harder thing to measure ROI on. So you just have to be really careful with user experience and make sure that it, it you do enough rigor to make sure it does move the needle. Um, I mean, another example is like voice services for voice recognition. You know, we're still at a state right now where the voice interfaces are, are somewhat frustrating to use. And so if you spend a bunch of money to build, you know, scale up GPUs or inference hardware. To roll out of voice service and it turns out everyone's frustrated by it you know that's a lot of money you might have sunk and I, I think the same risks exist on the training side as well you know i the uh there's a lot of new training hardware that's going to be coming out you know that's uh, displace nvidia you know i think building gigantic uh server chips it's it's very expensive and, and typically unless you're at really high volumes there's a lot of cost and efficiency in there that nvidia has been able to keep down over the years and so you might end up with really, really expensive training hardware uh, that's attempting to knock out NVIDIA. And it might be, at the end of the day, there might be issues with it that, that makes it hard to use. You know, it might be that your libraries don't port well over to it, or maybe there's a lot of math you have to do that's not in the AI world that you have to run side by side. So I, I really think that if you're talking about on-premise training, or you're talking about uh, you know, on-premise training hardware, or you're talking about user experiences on the inference side, those are the two places that you really see things that.
0: Cool. And, and I think this is sort of driving home a point that we are always happy to drive home here on AI and in Industry, which is to really understand the business value of the use case you're contemplating. Instead of thinking, what could AI do? Really think about you know where is the needle going to be moved in a measurable sense, as you've sort of emphasized, and you've been kind enough to kind of highlight some areas that might be initial kind of rocks to look under for business leaders who are Uh, contemplating ROI seriously. So I think that should be useful for the folks tuned in. Certainly not everybody listening in is going to need to overhaul everything that they're doing hardware-wise, but people working at scale, looking to deploy AI, it's an unavoidable inevitability in terms of a conversation. And and hopefully this has prompted their thought. So that's all the time we have. But Mike, thanks for sharing your insights here with us on AI and industry. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Happy to talk.
1: Enjoyed the conversation.
0: and regular coverage of the ai applications of both the hottest startups here in the bay area as well as what fortune 500 companies are doing with ai today everything from marketing and advertising business intelligence to specific industries like finance and healthcare you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com and when you're there make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left hand side of the page uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Fajella. This is AI in Industry, and we'll catch you next week.